Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Borist. And this is The Crosscut, a podcast that usually contextualizes the news of the day with the story, themes, and motifs of a treasure. Or trash. Piece of cinema. Bruh. Oh, done? I'm done. I'm you sorry. done? Yep. Yeah. All right. I mean, probably. <laughs> probably. So this is the second time we recorded the intro. I had to do that again. <laughs> sure. Less surprising, but no less funny. Good. Yeah. Uh, my, my vampire is very specific. It is just vampires from the 1950s. Who used to sing songs on the radio? Right, I was the gonna monster say, mush. This is definitely just the monster that's, mush. Yes, that's it. That's my that's my entire vampire uh, like oeuvre. Sure. Well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, getting into it. Yeah, we uh, we covered getting a little into- movie on Netflix as part of our summer streaming series, and we are actually wrapping it up with our eighth and final film of the summer. We are talking about Day Shift. Yeah, the the Netflix film starring Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco. Uh, it is uh, also the the debut of a first-time director, a guy who'd been in Hollywood for 20-plus years as predominantly a fight choreographer or action choreographer. Okay. So he did a lot of second unit work as a director, I believe, on like the Fast and Furious franchise. Mm-hmm. He did John Wick 2 as like the fight choreographer. There are some obvious comparisons between this and that, but... But this is his chance to make like his first film as a lead director. So that'll explain some of the maybe criticisms we have of the film. But all in all, uh, interesting, uh, interesting first movie. Sure. Well, I mean, before we get into any kind of criticisms, though, we are here to give you guys four spoiler free reasons why you might want to check this film out. Yeah. And so I guess we'll go ahead and jump right into it. Yeah. Put on your sunscreen. Get your parasols ready because we are going out on the day shift. Sure. All right, so I'm gonna kick it off. The first reason, in fact, the reason why we selected this movie Mm-hmm. Is because of a gentleman named Jamie Fox. Jameson Fox. That is not what his name is. <laughs> <laughs> so, fun story about his name. Would you like to hear why he chose his stage name, Jamie Fox? Because it sounds cool. Uh, s- sure. Uh, his real name is Eric Marlin Bishop. He was born in Terrell, Texas. Uh, but when he was young and, and sort of getting into showbiz, he started on uh, stand-up, right? So mm-hmm. he was a comedian first and foremost. Okay. And he found that in going through sort of the the stand-up routines, or like the stand-up lineups, right. that women tended to get called first to perform. Oh. I don't know whether that was like favoritism or whether that was actually bad because like comedy clubs fill up later in the night and people are more drunk later in the night. So yeah, they're more I don't likely think that's to laugh. a good thing. Probably not a good thing. But I'm also just assuming that comedy clubs are incredibly sexist. Yeah, they, I mean, of course. Yeah, that would be my guess, especially in the late 1980s, early 1990s. Mm. Um, so he started, he did his first open mic in 1989 and he chose the stage name Jamie Foxx, which he uh, felt was ambiguous enough to what they say in the, the parentheses is disallow any biases. So it wasn't that he was necessarily a woman or a man. So maybe he gets like that middle spot, like sort of right in between. This is just like with the assumption that they aren't just looking directly at his face. They're looking at a sheet of paper and oh, just calling okay. names. So yeah, it, right. there was no internet for them to IMDb him back in the day. Um, but yeah, he chose his last name Fox as a tribute to Red Fox, who was um, a comedian and also the star of, or one of the stars of Sanford and Son. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of where he originated and got his his start. Okay. Um, but obviously, he's an Oscar winner. Like right. if you are turning on the Netflix original streaming only film. 
day shift about wacky vampires, keep in mind, the person who is starring as the lead has an Academy Award for portraying Ray Charles. Yeah. So it is It is interesting. He's also, I think, uh, he was also nominated in the same year for uh, the Michael Mann film Collateral, which I think we've mentioned on this. So he got nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor in the same year. And obviously only won one of them. <laughs> I never saw Collateral. Oh, Collateral's banger that Maybe, movie is great i feel like we had this conversation the last time we, we talked about collateral this is this is our third jamie fox film yeah. on this podcast so we just love jamie fox we're big I fans certainly do um who knew that we'd be covering this many jamie fox films our first year into this podcast <laughs> i know well you know and i would say i would say that none of them are like that good but so uh any given sunday White House Down, and then this. Oh, yeah. We definitely are not doing good Jamie Foxx films. No. But the good part about it is, and I'll say this, is like, even in bad movies, I still find him a pleasure to watch. Sure. So, um, you know, he he obviously started out in in Living Color, um, did a bunch of other, you know, uh, film and TV shows early on. He had the, J- the Jamie Foxx show. Right. Um, and then after that, he... I guess got a little bit more diverse with his career in terms of he did music. He released a, a studio album called Unpredictable, which debuted at number two, ended up eventually getting to number one. So he had a best-selling album and was also an Academy Award winner. Um, he's got a bunch of other stuff that sort of like goes all over the place in terms of his um, film filmography, right? Mm-hmm. So he does stuff like like this movie, which is like kind of, you know, maybe B-movie level or whatever there's a bunch of other ones that are similar but he also does like django unchained for quentin tarantino so it's like he is just a very versatile individual when it comes to uh what he does as an actor and so i I don't well not all of it hits i think it's all very interesting i would be interested in hearing what his process is for selecting things to be in i think he strikes me as somebody who just likes to have fun yeah with whatever it is that they're doing, because I'm also thinking about that uh, music game show with his daughter. Yeah, uh, Beat Shazam. I don't think it's called Beat Shazam, though. No? Okay, hang on. Quick pause while we look up the name of the show. Oh my God, it was called Beat Shazam? It was called Beat Shazam! That is a terrible name. Yeah, also, uh, is it a music pun? No, it, what do you, I don't know Because, like, Beats... No, no, baby. No, they were trying to beat the program <laughs> Shazam. Sure. And uh, Shaquille O'Neal actually sued that program until he realized it wasn't called Beat Kazam. No. What's Kazam? You don't know Kazam? What is Kazam? I am Kazam. It's the Shaquille O'Neal genie movie where he was a genie. It was called Kazam. He lived in a pair of shoes, I think. <laughs> it's called Kazam with an exclamation point. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Uh, and I don't know how to get us back, but that's okay. Jamie Foxx is, is fun. We're talking um, about Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Yes. And in, in this movie, um, I think that he does a few things really well. Okay. I think the action scenes, he does put in the work. You know, I think like he's, uh, he's obviously like in good shape. Uh, he's actually going to be playing Mike Tyson in the near future. So he has to be like kind of bulked up for this. Sure. Um, he's funny in times where that's required. Like he's got nice little one-liners or things that sort of elevate the comedy a little bit to something outside of the expected. He did look bulked up, didn't he? He did look bulked up. Yeah. He's going to play Mike Tyson. Yep. He's going to play Mike Tyson in, oh. a, in a TV series directed by Antoine Fuqua. For what? Uh, for what? I don't know. Okay. Hulu or FX or FX on Hulu. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, and right. then 
Yeah, and so and I think Dave Franco does a little bit of that comedy as well. They play okay as a pair together, I think. By and large, I think that I watched this because I knew Jamie Foxx could handle the action. Mm-hmm. I knew he could handle the comedy. Sure. And the there is no... I, I expected there to be no dramatic element in this movie that I didn't think he could pull off. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> uh, but let... Oh, sorry, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that the vast majority of this is... Fine, I, but I would also say that speaking of day shifts, don't quit your day job. I don't know. It was there were just points in no, there were just points in it where I just I didn't love his performance, but I think that the majority of it I enjoyed. Yeah, he's very charming. He's very charismatic, yeah. and so he he pulls a lot through. But it felt it just felt like there were just points that were not my favorite performance by Jamie Foxx. I feel like sure. he was underutilized, perhaps. Sure. My friends, uh, Jess First uh-huh. and uh, Brad Furman. Yeah. Brad Furman, the director, and Jess First, his producer, uh, are working with Jamie Foxx uh, right now on a movie called Tin Soldier. So uh, maybe I can get some scoop on his, <laughs> on his process for either yeah. selecting things or for being being an actor. I would love to know about his process for selecting things. Okay. But but yeah, probably I mean, did the check clear. But. He was yeah, he was he was uh, he seemed like he was having fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and that leads us to your point number two on our list is is if you are looking for a twist on a vampire movie, and this is from somebody who has you've seen um, a lot of seen movies. a lot of vampire movies. I enjoy vampire movies. I very much like the Interview of the Vampire. I've watched all of the Twilights and read the Twilights and all that um, and various different vampire films and sure. and whatever. If you had to put a number on it, how many how many vampire films would you guess that you've seen? Oh, I don't know. Just like yeah, any number. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Ooh, between 10 and 20. 20, 20 vampire oh, films. Ah, 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 ah. Sorry. <sighs> I, I should have just known. Up. Yeah, should have known. Yeah, so I mean, I uh, <laughs> uh, podcast over. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, we're we're done. It's late at night, and we've had COVID this whole week. So I haven't. We've had children with COVID, and you've had COVID. I've had COVID. <laughs> Somehow, I am like the uh, I'm the vampire, or I'm the, I'm the human. The vampires refuse to bite because he's too smelly or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I wouldn't know because I lost my sense of smell. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're looking for a twist on a vampire film, I would say that this is certainly that. First of all, the the vampires are not the protagonists of the film. Yeah. And this is not something that is romanticizing vampires or making it seem particularly scary in any kind of way. It's more like action, but you know that they're going to, like, it's the action star is, is fighting against them. They're going to beat them. Yeah. And so it's really more to me like a workplace comedy. <laughs> yeah. Part by part for sure. Yeah. In a way, right? Like this is just a guy who's going to work. He is just like going to get a paycheck. He is going to get this job done. He is working the day shift. Literally right? for a union job. Yeah. for yeah. And like, right. They're talking about unions and dues and it's him trying to just figure out how he is going to 
like make enough money to like, I guess, bribe his ex-wife into sticking around with his kid. Yeah. The, the conceit is uh, they need $5,000 by the end of the week to pay for her private school. They need another $6,000 for her to get braces. And for some reason, there are people who pay money for vampire teeth. We don't ever get into that. Like why? There's right. no lore that says like this union was established to eliminate vampirism from the earth or anything like that. All there is is a union and a black market. And they say, give us the teeth and we'll give you some money. And For so, some reason, the union has a lot of money and will pay a lot of money. And we don't know why. And yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. They're not, they're not like, oh, we can file these teeth down. And with the grinds, we can have renewable energy. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't matter. Just go with it. But it is a, again, it's just, it's just a different take on a vampire film than what you traditionally see. And, and I like when, you know, when things get mixed up. I think we actually talked about that last week yeah so i think what's interesting is so the director uh, i listened to an interview with him and he was saying like some of his points of reference were um like the more i guess almost more light vampire types of films like uh, lost boys or fright night or even he cited big trouble in little china where Mm -hmm. i was like "Uh, slow your roll buddy let's not bring john carpenter into this because you're not john carpenter but the point is he liked the mixture of humor with the sort of um, secret world, like the underground world that people don't see or can't see right. that exists and isn't necessarily like has to be destroyed. It's just another world, right? It's like the world of mysticism or in this case, vampires. It's like it exists and is going to continue to exist. It's just, there's this one particular vampire that's started some stuff. And so they're off to take care of business. Right. It, it's almost like the mafia. Right. Or just like what Hollywood elite, right? Hey. Pizzagate. Nope. Stop it. Uh-uh. <laughs> Rewind that tape. I'm not trying to get into that conversation on the internet. But yeah, so I, I think that it is very much talking about like that secret world, but it's a very mundane like sort of view yep. of it in a yes. way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The big showdown at the very end of the film and maybe tiny spoilers is just a battle about like union rules. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like processes and yeah. dues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that's all. That's a really good take on it. Like a really interesting take. Cool. Well, that brings us to our third point. Number three. Uh, uh, so th- as I mentioned, the director uh, was second unit and fight choreographer for a lot of films previous. And so that means all of the fighting and the stunt work in this film is practical. That means in camera, that means it was really done. Mm-hmm. It was not done in CG after the fact. Obviously, there was some CG incorporated in the film in little bits, but it was all touch up, right? It wasn't like you weren't seeing cars completely made out of CG crashing into, you know, bridges and stuff. When they did that, they really did that. And so one example of this is to open the movie before Jamie Foxx has said word one in the film. He goes into a house. Mm -hmm. He confronts an elderly woman. uh, And she's like, what are you doing here? And he like shoots her with a shotgun and she blasts into a wall and they have this big fight and it's it's a really it's a good fight scene. Like I think if you watch the movie and you see that scene to open it up, you're like, oh, we're in for something. Like this is going to mm-hmm. be interesting. That scene, you know how many? Okay, there were four actresses who played that woman in the in that scene. There was obviously the actress who was playing just the elderly woman. Right. There was the stunt person 
who was like thrown through walls and like tables and stuff. Right. There was the fight actress who was the one who did all the fight choreography. And then there was a contortionist actress <laughs> who was the one who was like flipped over backwards and stuff and like all folded in weird positions. Yeah. So they had four actresses who were incorporated into that uh, scene or into that, that whole, you know, uh, fight scene. And what I think is really interesting about that is like, they also had to do a lot of stuff in camera just to get the effects they wanted. So there's a part where they take this woman, or like he takes this woman, like like basically does a um, throws her across the room, and she lands with her head down and her feet sort of flip over backwards, like mm-hmm. over like breaking her spine basically. And he's like, "You can't do that to a contortionist in a fight scene. If you do that to a contortionist, they will break their back." And so what we did was we had the contortionist in that position. We hooked him up to wires. We pulled them to where the fight scene was starting, and then we just shot it in reverse. Like, we just reversed the film. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting to say, like, we have these sort of old school style of film techniques that we can use for this, you know, new Netflix uh, film, right? Mm-hmm. So they were doing a lot of that. They had cars crashing and motorcycles exploding and all this kind of stuff in the in the film that were uh, really, like, impressive technical effects. And they were all done in camera. And I thought that was, that, that's a reason to watch, like, to see some of that stuff happen. Yeah, I, I enjoyed ninety five of the fight ninety five percent of the fight scenes. I would say that there was one, yeah, there was like one actress who toward the end she was fighting, and um, I I think that like the best the best I can describe it is like she's a vampire, and for some for whatever reason she like made the fights feel slow, and yes. I was like, why? Like she just was not very good at it like the choreography i think like i rewatched it again this morning mm-hmm. and the choreography was fine with yeah. sound but she was just so slow in executing it and it just felt like okay well you're very pretty as an actress um but maybe you've fudged your resume a little bit in your like skills as being able to pull off fight scenes so there i, I think i know why okay that particular fight scene didn't come across very well okay so it was the only fight scene that was between two actors. It was an actor, uh, this this lady whose name I forget, and Jamie Foxx. Natasha Bordico. Yeah. And Bordizzo. Jamie Foxx. And so there weren't like, he could not bring in, oh, this is my stunt crew, and they're going to dress them up in makeup and look like vampires, and they're mm-hmm. going to do all the cool stuff that, you know, actual people who do fights for a living right. can do, right? So it's just these two actors. Number two, they had to get from the front entrance to the apartment that she was in yeah. to the bathroom, right? So that's where the conversation takes place. There's mm-hmm. the fight scene, conversation takes place in the bathroom, but there is transition that happens, right? So mm-hmm. they fight a little bit, they talk a little bit. They fight a little bit, they talk a little bit. So you have these specific points that you have to hit where the actors are going to have dialogue that motivate the plot. Mm-hmm. So you can't, if the fight scenes between there don't work, you can't cut them out. You have right. to have the actors move to those locations to deliver the necessary dialogue for the story. Right. And so what what normally you would do is you would you know shoot the the thing, and you'd go and check in Video Village, and you would say, "Yeah, that doesn't look good. We got to do that again." Mm-hmm. Well, problem with that is they shot this whole movie in forty two days. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that's not surprising. So it felt like it was very quickly done it was super quickly done yeah. and the, the problem you get with that is you kind of have like one or two chances at these big fight scenes and mm-hmm. stuff like that and and someone was explaining like i think dave franco in an interview was explaining he's like yeah if you go onto a set and you have a big fight scene 
like everybody in production, every, all the director, the AD and everything is like, okay, today's our day mm -hmm. for the fight scene. We're doing the fight scene today. Right, right. And he's like, that was every day. Yeah. <laughs> like literally every day on this film we were showing, it was like, okay, we're going to shoot a bunch of fight scenes. The director even said that he shot with three cameras at minimum mm -hmm. every day. My and God. they had 50 to 60 setups every day. That means moving the camera, lighting the this, this scene, <laughs> 50 to 60 per day in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And so I can feel the stress in your voice. I mean, I'm, I'm, my mind is exploding. Yeah. Just like listening, but like he shot it as though he were doing, oh, also they didn't have second unit. So if you see those helicopter shots where it's, or like the shots where it's like, oh, this is a place in Los Angeles, a cool store to go to. Yeah. They had to shoot those too. Like they were, that was time and mm -hmm. money. And so I am willing to like take that into consideration and say, yeah. Okay, one fight scene didn't work super yeah. well. So that's I okay. mean the whole uh, one fight scene out of like a, you know, I mean, every scene. <laughs> every literally every single scene is fight scenes. And so like if it, it's it is forgivable, but it it is interesting to to sort of see and understand now that like the director is his his whole thing is fight scenes, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's right. And and I agree. Like um most of the stuff the fight scenes are really well done. Towards the end, I will also say you could see the limitations of both probably budget and time mm -hmm. because they're in like some crypt fighting some yeah. big boss or whatever. And it looked pretty cheesy. Mm -hmm. um, but then like if he says, you know, my inspiration is, uh, you know, Lost Boys. I'm like, well, OK, fine. That looked kind of cheesy, too. So. Yeah, it, so I think that it was, again, a very interesting look at at um, uh, the, these fight scenes. Again, yeah. knowing all of that. Knowing all of that, and then I don't know if that's uh, going to bring us to our final point. Yeah, so I th I think that uh, the way I would tie it into our final point mm. is there is one practical effect that is um, something that a lot of uh, you know companies and a lot of production companies are doing now in like their sort of like AI algorithms with their post production. Okay, they're de aging people, <laughs> and there's a certain person here who does not need to be de aged. Two people, two that, people. That's, that is true. Jamie Foxx and Snoop Dogg look very, very close to how they looked in the nineties. Yes. Uh, you know, also, I don't know that we were young and, and they were older than us. And yeah. so in my mind, they are always just going to be like the same age. True. But Jamie Foxx looked older playing Ray Charles, obviously makeup, yeah. but they both know. look fantastic. But yeah, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is uh, my final point, and specifically Snoop Dogg and the soundtrack that we got in this yeah. film. I think from the very first scenes, or you know, when we're when we're driving around and they're showing various different uh, scenes from, I guess, L.A. Yeah, you they have uh, West Coast hip hop music playing, and it's a great soundtrack yeah. playing throughout the film. Yeah, I like the fact that it is a little bit of a, a reminder of like sort of what that sort of, you know, LA would have been like in the times that the people who are starring in the movie cared about, <laughs> sure. you know, it's like the, the sort of late nineties, you know, cool guys get to have their movie where they're the protagonists and the fun people, and then, you know, have their music in there as well. So I, I, I like that. I thought it was fun. Yeah. And Snoop Dogg was, was, uh, he was great. I yes. mean, he was great as Snoop Dogg. Is he going to give you an Oscar winning performance? No, that's not what he does. Is he, anyone in this movie going yeah. to do that? No. But I mean, just like generally, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no, he's, but he's, he's fun and lovable and, you know, he comes in and does what he needs to do as yeah. like a kind of a funny character that is, doesn't take himself too seriously and, 
is coming to kill some vampires. Yep. And I think that's the thing, right? It's like it, they don't overuse him. They're, they're not saying like, hey, Snoop, give us a detailed, like dramatic performance. Right. Um, and I think that's, uh, well, I'll get into it in just a second, I guess. Is that the end of your your props for Snoop? That is. Okay. Would you recommend Day Shift? <laughs> no. No. All right. <laughs> no. I mean, it is... I think that I got um, myself a little bit hyped up too much for the film. And that's always a problem. Like when you just like are expecting something to be really great and then yeah. it's like mediocre, you know, right. it's a little bit let down. Um, I love all of these elements um, and it just didn't really come together right. for me. It, it is, um, I don't know, like you said, it's like a B film, you know? Yeah. Um, time will tell, I suppose as to whether or not this becomes like a cult B film or whether or not this sort of just gets lost in the Netflix algorithm library. Yeah. I think the villain was not interesting enough for this to become a classic B film. Yeah, that's fair. One of the things that happens with B films is like Lost Boys was good because of Kiefer Sutherland, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and, And so it's like this particular villain is not so evil and nefarious. That she's just like some lady who's... She's a realtor. Yeah. Like, it's... Uh, I don't know, man. And like, and there's... Because they don't really get into much of the lore or like why vampires are doing what they're doing or any of that kind of stuff, she doesn't have any real agency or motivation for why she's a bad person or bad vampire. And so I'm like, I don't know. Why is it? Sure. And so you, you get a big shrug on that side. And because of that, I don't think it's going to be like a thing that really sticks in people's minds. But in terms of my recommendations i would say Mm. if anyone wants to watch the first 10 minutes of the film Mm -hmm. go for it like that's a really good fight scene yeah and in fact because of the way you and i watch movies Mm -hmm. we watch them typically spread over two nights we watch them after the kids go to sleep before i fall asleep that's right we have we have about (laughs) 50 minutes at a time to watch a movie and this hour or this was this movie was an hour and 51 minutes so we got it done in two nights yeah and i would say that the first night when we watched it, I was into it. I was like, this is good. Like yeah. it's, it's it's certainly economical. Like it's not explaining a ton, but it's like pretty interesting. The fight scenes are good. It's well paced. And then this, we watched the second half and I was like, well, this movie just fell apart real quick. Like there's a lot of decisions that were made that were not supported by anything that had happened previously or, right. or you know, were poorly uh, you know done. And so I, I would say if you watch the first half, or if you go on YouTube and you watch like people pulling clips of just the fight scenes, like that's all you really need. Mm. It's a fine movie. It's like a two and a half stars kind of thing. Um, I wish it were better. It had the ability to be better. And I will say this, uh, Jamie Foxx mentioned in one of the interviews, Mm -hmm. the reason he signed on to the film is because the director had done what's called a previs for that opening fight scene. Mm. And that basically just means staging it and doing a version of it without um, the real actors and stuff, but just to see what it would look like. Jamie Foxx saw that opening fight scene and was like, that's the movie I want to do. That looks great. Yeah. And so I think you will have a similar opinion as an audience watching that opening fight scene, being like, if this is the kind of stuff I'm into, this looks great. The rest of the movie does not hold up to that. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the, the fight scenes, it sounds like you think do hold up for the most part to yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but but the rest of the elements of the movie don't necessarily hold up to that is, is maybe that's what right. you're saying. Th- that's right. And even with the fight scenes, like that fight scene is Jamie Foxx versus basically one like older vampire mm-hmm. 
and she's like impossible to kill like yeah. really really hard and he has to do all this stuff to like actually you know uh win the fight and then every other vampire he fights after that is just like easy gunshot 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 whatever yeah i i think that it was sort of setting up for what i thought was going to be a much more difficult to kill vampire generally yes yeah i mean because every anytime you go into a vampire moving you have to ask yourself or you they they have to establish what kind of vampire do we have right right do we have something that is um super duper fast like you know how much fat how much faster stronger than humans is this being right um how does that change as they get older do they get more faster are they you know are their powers enhanced or are they declining or whatever right exactly or are they like their strongest when they're first turned um yeah and so you know we are sort of introduced to this world and, and we have to figure out what it is and i think that the first vampire is maybe not necessarily representative of how the rest of the vampires sort of behave and and the physics or biology right. around that. Yeah, it is it is an opening sort of prologue that has no weight on the rest of the film. I mean, it, plot-wise it does. Yeah. But in terms of like how they treat the vampires or any of that stuff, it's unfortunately not uh indicative. So, I don't know. I I uh if I had to recommend the movie however given a a binary decision between uh see or no, then my answer is no Sferatu. No. Okay. Sorry. No. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, that's uh I think that's the the last of what we have to say about this movie, right? Yeah. I mean, the only other person I think maybe that was worth uh mentioning that they're in it is um Megan Good. Oh, yeah. More like he, Megan below average. She um it, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I just know her from just from cultural osmosis and just from lots of different stuff. I mean, she was in Stomp the Yard. She was also in Step It Up or no, yeah, Step It Up. So so she was in a lot of dance sure. battle movies, sure. I guess. She may be a fine actress. This this movie was not intended to show off people's acting abilities. Right. Um there was a scene where so she plays Jamie Foxx's estranged wife. They have a, a kid and there's a scene where they all get into trouble. And it's like, I'm going to kill your wife. And Jamie Foxx has to pretend that he, or he has to act that he is upset about this. She has to act scared. And they all do a really terrible job. Yeah. And the reason I think they do a terrible job is not because they're bad actors. It is because they had to shoot this whole movie in 42 days. And yeah. they, the, the director probably came in and said, I will give you time when it's funny stuff, right? You need to let comedy breathe in order to figure out what's funny about a situation. And we are packed with action stuff. We have to make our days every day with action. And because of that, you get two takes for this dramatic scene. Mm-hmm. So just, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I think that's probably right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, she's, she, uh, it's, it's just worth mentioning because you know, she's in a stuff. lot, she's in a yeah. lot of stuff. She's been in a lot of stuff. So um, worth bringing up. But yeah, other than that, I would say um, again, I don't really recommend the movie. It just, it, it didn't quite hold up, but who knows? Um, I guess my dad pointed out that I say this quite a bit, but if it's something, if you, you want something to put on while you're folding laundry <laughs> I, and, and you like having an action film in the background, like, you know. I disagree. I disagree. I think it's like if you put on, if you want to see something in short bursts. Sure. If you want to see uh, eight minutes of action and then just like, I don't know, close your eyes, get over your hangover, whatever. <laughs> like then that's, that's the, this kind of movie. All okay. right. All right. 
and with that, we do not know what next week holds for us on this podcast. It is a mystery. So, you know, tune in to find out. Yeah. I guess we're maybe going back to our original scheduled programming. Maybe. Um, maybe we'll take a break just we'll because off, of yeah. COVID. And yeah. So, uh, but we'll update you. We'll let you know. Keep your eyes and ears peeled to this feed. Um, as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. And share this with a friend who you think might like bad vampire movies. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we'd be happy to have them. That's right. Thanks, everybody. And uh, if you could, you can follow us on Twitter at The Crosscut and Instagram at The Crosscut Pod. We will, uh, if we are going to release something, we will let you know on Tuesday or Wednesday of that week what movie we're going to be talking about. And um, yeah, well, any updates and news will happen there first. Yeah. And maybe we'll do a movie about canceling student loan debt. I don't know if there is a movie. I don't know what that movie would be. We'll uh, have to think about that. Yeah. Maybe just one where some students rob a bank, <laughs> set it off. I don't know. Now you see me. Ooh, no, that movie's bad. I don't like it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.